listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Come on, say with me vision. Vision, vision. Stop a second. Say it again. Vision. Here's what I want you to do. In a few moments, I want you to say that word again. But, hold on. I want you to say that word again like your whole life depended upon it. Like your kids' lives depended upon it. That your health depends upon it. That your finance depends about it. That your life depends upon it. Can we do that? Can we shout out the word vision like everything depends upon it? You ready? Three, two, one. Why would you say that? Because I believe our life does depend upon being a part of vision. That we need to be connected. There's a lot of great definitions of vision. So I just penned one myself this week. Here's my definition of vision. Vision is something so powerful that unites people for a common purpose. It brings a group of individuals together, uniting them That they can have a common purpose. If you like watching sports, you know that great teams are not made up of individuals. A lot of great teams have tried to be great, bringing in superstars. But if they don't gel, if they don't work together as a team, they can't win as one person, but they win as a team. So they have to buy into the philosophies, they have to buy into the vision, they have to buy in together in order to succeed. That's the power of vision. That when we come together, we can succeed not as one, but as a team of individuals rallying together as one. Look what the Bible says of visions. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. New Living Translation says this, when people do not accept divine guidance. The thought is revelation or vision. When people do not accept, do not follow, they're not a part of vision, it says they will run wild. I think that's a great definition. They'll be out of control. New King James Version says they will cast off restraint. In other words, they'll become a liability instead of an asset. You can become a liability instead of a blessing if you're not in vision. But whoever obeys the law, the thought is whoever follows vision and the word of God, their life is going to be joyful. There's going to be happiness. There's going to be joy. There's going to be satisfaction. That is promised when what? When we have the direction of vision in our lives. So without vision, it's not good. But with vision, it's all God. I said it's all God. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or think when we come together with one common purpose. We have a simple vision here, and I'm glad that we do. 
And you've probably already heard it today. You have already heard it today because Robert's already talked about it. They talked about it on the announcements. And we specifically and purposely, intentionally talk about it every service. Why? Because we want you to know the vision of this church. So when someone asks you, well, what's your church all about? That you can say, my church is about life, love and purpose. Because that's what we're about. We're about a place where we believe life starts. And then we believe that love happens. And then we're excited to see the purpose of God revealed and fulfilled in your life. We need you to know this. We want you to know this. We want you to feel it. We want you to feel that you've stepped into a place of life, love and purpose. We want you to sense that. We, we, we're so desperate, we even almost want you to taste it. I can taste it. I can just feel it. It's just everywhere. Why? Because we need you to live it to other people. You see, here's what we believe here. Are you ready? We believe that we are called to lead by example, not by position. Well, when I get a position, then I'll... No, 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 no. We don't lead from position, we lead from right where we're at. Every one of us has a part to play. You see, that's vision. Wherever you're at, if you can't get out of the home because you've got young kids, you can still be part of the vision of God for your life because it's not arriving somewhere, it's being used and available right where you're at. Being an example to other people because we believe the vision of this house is both for you and for you to take it to others who are out there, for you to give it to other people, that there's hope in those words of life, love and purpose. And really, it's one thing resulting in three, because the main purpose has to be life. Say with me, life. Life. It's the first part. It has to be life. What am I talking about? 2 Corinthians 5.17, New Living Translation, says this words, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old what? Come on, help me out. The old is gone and a new has begun. Let me start that again. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, gives their lives to Christ, is a new person. Aren't you glad that there's a new person in Christ for you? That the old can be gone. Look what it says. For the old... Come on, help me out in the house. So the old is gone and the new has begun. John 10.10, one of my favorites in the Word of God. The thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy, to take life from you. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have and that you may have it more abundantly. The old life. What I used to be, God takes, and now it's a new me. And my God, it's a better me. Do I hear an amen? It's a better life than what I ever thought I was living before. Because if there's no Jesus, there's no life. But to know Jesus, K-N-O-W, is to know life. And that's what we want to preach and teach and live and be here. We want to be a place where people find Christ. So when they find Christ, they find life. And it has to be the starting point. I pray that if not everyone in this place today can testify of the fact that they've accepted Christ. 
I pray that's your testimony. If it's not your testimony, we're going to give you an opportunity like we do each and every service. We give people the opportunity to say yes to Christ, to experience that life. And maybe you're not even in those categories. Maybe you're just here checking us out. Maybe you're still unsure of this. Maybe you're agnostic. Maybe even doubting the fact of the ability of God. And is there really even such a thing? I just want you to know, if that's you today, we are honoured To have you here. You're in the right place. Because we just want to love you. We want to welcome you in. We want to say take your time. Ask the questions that you want. Because we believe wholeheartedly in what we stand for. And the God who we serve. And it's going to rub off on you if you just hang around for long enough. Why? Because you're part of the vision of this house too. Because the vision isn't just for the sake. The vision goes beyond to reach the unsaved and those who question God. Come on, say with me, life starts. Life starts with Christ. Life starts with an experience and there's no greater life than Jesus. As your pastor, I get to talk to a lot of people and I get to counsel a lot of people and conversate, text, email. And one of the things I hear so many times is this. Look at this statement. My life has never been better than when. This is how most conversations start with people. When I say to them, well, where have you been? They say, man, you know what, Pastor? I'm going through a real rough time right now. But you know, my life was never better than when. And here's what they say to me. My life was never better than when I was partying hard, when I was in the clubs, When I was sleeping around, I was, come on, come on, someone should be saying no right now. Come on, come on. That's not the truth. Our life was never better when we were living that style of life. Our life was empty and we were trying to fill it with all those things, only creating a deeper void. But the enemy wants to deceive us into thinking that's what life is. Look at the children of Israel. Read it in the Old Testament. Jesus delivers them out of Egypt. God takes them miraculously out of bondage. And they weren't just in a figurative bondage. They were slaves. They had the marks all over their backs where they were beaten. Every day they had to get up. They were forced to work. They had to do each and every day. But when things didn't go like they thought they should, they started to complain and say, man, wasn't our life better when we were in bondage? The enemy had them deceived. But really, the reason why the enemy deceived them was part of their blame. Because they were deceived because they were never meant to be in that place, but they were meant to be arriving to another place. But because of their disobedience, they found themselves in the wrong place. But listen to me, I want to finish that statement, and I'm going to finish it properly today. Are you ready? Here's what I hear from people. My life has never been better than when I was in church. When I was in church. And some don't even stop there. They even go to the next level. Pastor, my life was never better when I was in church and I was serving God. I was working, I was serving, I was volunteering, I was a part. And some don't even stop there because some have really stepped into the life of God. They said, my life was never better when I was in church, when I was serving God and I was paying my tithes. Paying my tithes. What you've got to realize what we've talked about there, church serving and giving 
They are three powerhouses for your life. They are avenues of life that can bring fullness of life, the abundance of life. You may think church is just a building. Church is more than just a building. Look what this scripture that God talks about church, and there's many more. And man, I've got to hold on to the pulpit because I get excited when I talk about church. First Chronicles 17.12, the NIV says this, He is the one who will build a house for me. God is speaking of David. David is going to build a house for me. But notice what God says, but I will establish his throne forever. How does that equate to your life, your situation? Here it is. Are you ready? God says, if you will build my house, I'm going to build your house. If you prioritize my house and be in the house, I'll take care of your house, your family, and everything that's in the house. What a promise from God. That's why we preach and teach you need to be in the house of God. Because when you take care of his house, he'll take care of your backyard. Amen. He'll take care of all those things. What about serving? Look, the disciples are having a dispute. They're arguing amongst themselves. Who's the greatest? Well, I'm greater. Jesus steps in and he rocks their world. Look what he says in Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord over them. In other words, this is the system of the world. Someone in charge is the big boss and rules over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But notice what Jesus says, verse 43, But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you, must become first your servant. You see, as we serve, there's greatness that comes. As we give our tithes, look what it says in Luke 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's going to be poured into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, what comes out of your hands, it's what God is going to put back. Into you. Notice what we have read from church serving and giving. Notice the rewards. Notice the unbelievable, incredible, awesome, supernatural return that God promises into each and every one of our lives. I'm telling you, church serving and giving is a direct benefit to your life. Come on, say with me, vision. Vision, vision. vision. That's what we're talking about. Being a part of a church where you can serve, where you can give. So God can bless your life supernaturally. I I get excited when I talk about these things. Can you tell? I love these things. I've got to focus. Say with me, focus, pastor. So where were we? Life. Say life. Life starts. That's what we believe. And as the result of life that starts through knowing Jesus, it takes us to the next point. And that is this. We believe love happens. That God changes you. That you're a changed person. You maybe didn't like to be that nice person that people wanted to be around, but now something's changed in you. And you're like that, was it the Grinch who stole Christmas? All of a sudden, what's going on inside? God has given you a heart for other people, a heart of compassion. How do we know this? John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus speaking to our lives, that you love one another as what? I have loved you. As I have loved you, he says, then you are to now love one another. As you receive his love. Some people don't know love until they've found Jesus. In fact, there's no true love except in Jesus. And as we receive that love, our instruction is plain and clear. 
that we are to give that love, that we are to be true love. We are to be God's reach and his touch to this world. I saw a statement that was someone had penned that they read out each and every time that people give their lives to Christ. And it's something that really touched me. I actually wrote it down on my file here with a Sharpie. It's on my file every time I preach and I see it right there in front of me. But look at this. It's so powerful. Here's the thought that as life starts, as we give our lives to Jesus, this is how love happens, that Jesus has now a new pair of eyes to see with. Jesus has a new ears to listen with. Jesus has new hands to help with. And Jesus now has a new heart to love others with. What a beautiful picture of what we are called to do, that love is to happen. And then as love happens, we step into our purpose. That's the third point, that purpose is revealed, or really, purpose begins to unfold. If you ever had a little train set, and you tried to set it up, and it was all going good, and all all of a sudden it jumped the tracks, and it skipped off, and it just all buckled over itself and went. There's something about it is a train will never get to its intended destination unless it's on the track. And so many times we're fumbling through life, trying to get where we need to, trying to find our purpose in life. And all we're really doing is just having a pile up and a major accident. We're just blocking the interstate. Anyone get caught on that on Friday? I know Josh did. (laughs) Scary pictures on Instagram. That's all I'm saying. But he got caught. You're not going anywhere. But aren't you glad that when your life starts... And love begins to happen. God puts your life back on track and your life begins to go to places that you never thought were even possible. That through Christ that you'll begin to realize that your life has a meaning, that there is a purpose for your life, that everything that you've been through in your life, the tests, the adversity and the trials, guess what God can do to those tests? God takes those tests and makes them a testimony. That you have a testimony of God's goodness and mercy, that you can now can be an example, a hope and light to others. Come on, say with me these words. My life can make a difference. Because you can understand I can make a difference. But will you make that difference count? Will you use that difference for God? And there's a lot more details of our life, love and purpose that we go through in our next steps class that we would love every one of you to be a part of. And it's every Sunday morning at 9.15 and you can be a part of that. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. But what I want you to do today is I want to show you life, love and purpose from God's word. I want to show you the progression from the starting point of life using a great story from the Bible. And it's one that I'm sure quite a few of you already know, the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's one of the great stories, it really is. It's probably in my top 20 in the Word of God. I love this story. Blind Bartimaeus. We're going to read from Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43. And we're going to read the story together. Luke 18, 35, 43. It says, then it happened. What a great opening. Then it happened. Can you believe for your life today that it can happen? So many people are sitting here saying it's never going to happen. I'm so glad when Jesus starts a story like then it happened. That's the beginning of your story too if you'll just let it happen. If you'll just let life take place in your life, this can be the beginning of your story too. Then it happened as he, Jesus, was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by... He asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? The most loaded question that has ever been asked, I believe, ever in history. And the man said to Jesus, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. Can you say amen? Great, great story. This story is actually recorded in two of the four Gospels. The Gospels is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were disciples of Christ that followed with Christ. Actually, Luke wasn't a disciple, but they're disciples. The others were disciples of Christ. And they followed after Jesus and gave an account of their stories of what they saw. The story of blind Bartimaeus is recorded in both Luke and Mark. Luke starts that a certain man, as we just read, but Mark gives a name to this man. He says there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. The reason why I would say that is I think it's very important to see something from the beginning here. And that is you're not just a certain person to God. God knows your name. That's what you've got to realize today. You're not a no-name to God. God knows your name. He knows exactly where you are at. He loves you and He calls you by name. So here He is. Let's have a look through the story. Can we take it verse by verse? Verse 36, we see that when He heard the crowd passing by, He couldn't see. He was blind. He had to go by just what He heard. He heard a commotion. There was a stir. Something was happening. He's trying to get the attention of someone because what's going on? There's something different taking place today. And what do we see in the next verse? We see in verse 37 that someone, He got the attention of someone and said, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He is passing Now, Bartimaeus, I know, must have heard about Jesus. If he hadn't have heard about Jesus, he would have said, okay, that's cool, and just gone on with his business. But when he heard it was Jesus, everything in his life shifted that day, because the Bible says he began to cry out. He had heard, even without social media, even without Facebook and, and texting and emails and cell phones, the word of Jesus spread because this was something new. This was life like people had never seen before. The blind were being healed. The lame were walking. Demon-possessed people were being set free. Man, they were hearing this. And here's that Jesus he's heard about that is passing him by. So what does Bartimaeus do? He cried out to Jesus. Let me ask you a question today. Do you think he was the only one that was crying out? I don't think so. Even at that particular moment, I believe there could have been hundreds and maybe even thousands of people crying out because everyone wanted the attention of Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 39. It says, And those who led the way. In what I read from the New King James, it says, then those who went before him. I've never seen this before. Those who led the way, those who were before him. 
In other words, it's almost like he's now in a line and there are so many people ahead of him in the line. Have you ever felt like you're at the back of the line? He's almost at the back. How do we know he's probably way back at the line? Because there were so many people who thought they were of greater importance than him. Because what you've got to understand, sickness and blindness were two of the same things. Why? Because they believed that was sin. That if you had sin in your life, you were sick, you were blind, something would happen to you. So therefore, right off the bat, they're looking at him, they're saying, you're sick, you're a sinner. Jesus wouldn't want you anyway. So he is pushed to the back of the line while everyone else is trying to get to Jesus. But that doesn't stop him because he just turns up the volume. The Bible says he cries out, Louder. Why did he cry out? Because this was his moment. And if he missed it, it wasn't going to be because of someone else. I wonder how many moments we've missed because of worrying about someone else. I wonder how many opportunities have slipped by because we don't want to rock the boat. We've got to cry louder. We've got to cry louder. And then I I love these next words in verse 40. It says these words. Then Jesus stood still. Jesus stopped. Stopped, stopped, stopped. The cry of one desperate person stops Jesus. What we would read if we read on is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He steps into Jerusalem. Seven days later, he is crucified to be the savior and the redeemer of this world. Who would say that Jesus was on a pretty important mission that day? But no matter how important of where he needed to get to, there was a cry of desperation that stopped eternity right there. The whole of eternity was put on hold. As Jesus stops and he calls for that one man. Remember, there was more people crying. There was more people calling that day. Remember that? But notice something that's key. There was many people calling that day. But we only read of one stop. One stop. One stop. Because in a crowd... Jesus always sees the one. You're never unnoticed. He sees your life. The next part of the story is not recorded in Luke. And and so I want to jump to Mark if I could, because I think there's something very important that we must see here. Mark 10, 50, in the process of the story, it says this, and throwing his garment Aside, throwing his garments. Anyone got like a jacket or something I could borrow quickly? Anyone got anything quickly? Uh, Taiwan, take your jacket off really quickly. I want to show you something today. Thanks, Taiwan. I'll give it back next week. (laughs) I want you to see something today. Because I think there's some things in Scripture that we can just skip by. But we don't realize the impact it is meant to have for each and every one of our lives. The Bible says that he threw his garment. He first had a garment. What you've got to understand about the garment is this. The garment identified who he was. If you were in an office and someone came in with a white lab coat on, pretty safe to say you're probably in a doctor's office. 
someone was to stand up here with a blue uniform and a badge, it's pretty safe to say that you are in the presence of a police officer. Pray for our police. Keep them in our prayers. The item or the garment identifies the person. Haven't got long to go here, but Bartimaeus being given a name meant that he was of stature and position at one time. That position and stature because of blindness was taken. Now instead of having a robe of royalty or a robe of having it together, he now has a beggar's garment. People would see that garment and know exactly who he was before he even opened his mouth. That's the beggar. That's the beggar. That's the beggar. But what do we see in this verse? The Bible says that as Jesus calls for him, the first thing that Bartimaeus does is he throws his garment aside. Why? He was releasing that which was his identity because he says, I'm no longer going to be needing that identity because this is who I'm going to become. Let me say it this way. That which identified who he was, was no longer going to be needed for who he was going to become. Come on. You know how you were before you found Jesus. You were a sinner. You were a destitute. People knew exactly who you were. Oh, here comes that person. Stay away from them. But when you get in the presence of Jesus... Come on, your garment changes and Jesus changes who you are. It's not who I am any longer. And in verse 41, Jesus asks him the question. Wow, what a question. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? There's no small print there. There's no blackout days. There's no, oh, you've got to have a down payment of 5,000 and you've got to have this at some... There's no blackout. There's no small print. There's no restrictions. Jesus was really saying to him, you can have anything you want right now. Aren't you glad there's no restrictions with Jesus? Aren't you glad? Read on. Verse 41 continues and he says, Jesus, here's what I want. I want to see. I want my sight. Really, what he was saying is this, I want salvation. How do we know that? Because what he's really asking is, I want to live life. Because he knows the mere existence of life that he's trying to live is not the life that God has for him. You imagine never being able to see your kids. You imagine never being able to see your wife. Imagine never being able to see a sunset or a sunrise. Never, or, or, all the, imagine never being able to see trees. How people look when they're happy. How people look when they're sad. Imagine never being able able to really experience life, being in a black hole. Close your eyes. That's all his life. That's his life right there. It's just darkness. Open your eyes. He said, God, I want to receive life. And what do we see from verse 42? Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. Talk about life starting. What? All of a sudden, wow, that must have been incredible. Think about this. The first thing he saw in his life was Jesus. Oh, my goodness. That's what we need to see every day in our lives is Jesus. I long to see Jesus. His life was never the same. Talk about a new day for him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what it was like? Kelly, when she was a kid, she was pretty blind. She's got good eyesight now. That's how she found me. Amen. Praise God. 
But her mum often told the story about how it broke her mum's heart because she didn't realise how bad eyesight Kelly had till one day she took her to the optometrist. She got a set of glasses and on the way home in the car, Kelly was doing this with her glasses going, wow, wow, wow. Kelly's mum said, I've never felt so guilty in all my life. My kid was blind and couldn't see things. Her life took on new meaning that day. Why? Because she could see. Now, can you see what happens when life comes, when you find Jesus and your life is never the same again? It's new life that you've never experienced before. Then what happens? He packs his bags up. He goes home. He high fives Jesus. Thank you. End of the story. No, if you were paying attention earlier, you would know that there's one more verse. Say with me, there's one more verse. One more verse. Look at the next verse, verse 43. Immediately he was healed. And, 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 and. Immediately he received his sight. And, and, and he followed Jesus, glorifying God. Praising God. He followed, given thanks. In other words, his life had moved from his need of blindness to a new need. Jesus, whatever you need from me, I'm willing to do it. Can you see the shift that has taken place? Because of the life that has come into him, now Jesus, whatever you need from me, I'm willing to go, I'm willing to do. He committed his life now to serve God and to follow him with everything. This wasn't a five-minute deal. This was a lifetime decision. That now because of this life, something has changed. It doesn't spell it out in the scripture. It just says, and he followed Jesus and he praised God. But I'm telling you what he really says right there is this. Because God of the new love and affection I have towards you, for what you have given to me, God, I want to surrender my whole life to you. I believe he followed now out of love and gratitude to God. God, whatever you need from me, I'm doing it. He's now willing. Notice he's not been forced. Jesus is not saying, okay, as a part of being healed, now you have an intern program and you have to follow me for a year. There's nothing forced. In fact, Jesus many times told people, go back to your house. Go back and tell people what God has done in your life. Notice no one's pleading with him to do this. It's not a requirement for him to do this. He's not being manipulated into doing this. That's a big one right there because many people manipulate people into doing things that they want them to do. Jesus is not manipulating him in any way. Nothing is happening except his willingness now to serve God and to work to advance the kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Can I ask every one of you a question today? In fact, I'm going to ask you two questions, but here's the first. Number one, what has God done for you? Is there anyone in here that God has done something for you? Come on. I think that's a good time of the message to shout amen and not just put your hand up. It's like, it's like when the teacher wants to ask you the question and you know the answer. You start going, me, 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 me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. That's a good one to throw your hands in the air and wave them just like you just don't care. Because if God has done something for you, you're excited about that because you were in darkness, but you threw your garment aside and now you've found life through Jesus. God has done so many wonderful things for our lives. And here's the second question I want to ask you as a pastor. What has this church done for you? 
How has this church affected your family in your life? What has it meant for you to be connected in a family, to experience the love? How has your life been changed through God and this church? Please get me, don't get me wrong. We're not speaking about manipulation here. We're not using the scripture to manipulate people. But what I believe we've just seen here should be a natural progression. It should be the next step. Oh, we've got one of those. But it should be the next step that after you find life, all of a sudden you're saying, now God, how can I love you by serving you and giving my life and being a part of fulfilling your plan and purpose? On How can I help further the kingdom of God? How can I build your church here on heaven? I believe that's the natural progress of what needs to happen. We've got a next steps class here where we want everyone to go through. It used to be our iConnect, so if you've gone through that, great. You don't have to go through this next step. But the whole part and purpose of going through the next step is we want you to lock into the vision of the church. To know who we are and what we can do as a church. Because we show you life, love and purpose. Because we want you to live in your purpose. Because there's no greater fulfillment than when you are fulfilled in what you do. And we want to help you in that. It's now a course that's run every Sunday morning at 9.15. You can jump in any week. You don't have to wait two months now. You can come next week and you can jump straight in. Why do I say that? Because we have many areas. We have many plans and we have many opportunities. Just the only thing that we're lacking many times is servants. People who say, what do you need? How can I be involved? One thing that we're very careful in the culture that we're building here in this church is we try really hard not to ask for workers such as we need nursery workers because work in itself sounds like a chore doesn't it we don't want it to be a chore because serving God in his house shouldn't be a chore it should be a blessing oh there's still service and there's still work required but now when you do it out of a thankful heart you now do it from a right motive and with a right motive there's going to always be different results I've just got to be honest with you right now. And it's this, I can't understand how anyone who has experienced the life of Christ and the change that God has done for your life wouldn't want to help create the same atmosphere and the same opportunity that changed your life to change another life. I can't understand that. I can't understand that. And here's what I put down today, and you may disagree with this, but I wholeheart, 110, 150%, 200% back this in everything that we do here as a church. We don't believe that God saved you to save you. We believe that God saved you, so you're saved to serve. We believe that your life, why? Because God saved you to save you. He would have taken you. Come on, when you give your life to Christ, if God's purpose was just to save you, he would have taken you because you're never more saved than the day you give your life to Christ. So he would have taken you before you stumble and fall and got caught up and deceived and fell. He would have taken you, but God didn't just save you to save you. God saved you so you can serve his purpose, his plan, be his hands and feet, reaching, touching, influencing other people here in this world. You see, when we talk about having a limo team and driving a bus, we're not just talking about driving a bus. 
We're talking about giving an opportunity to people who wouldn't be in church if someone didn't drive a bus and be able to bring them here. When we're talking about holding a door open, we're not just talking about holding a door. We're talking about you creating an entranceway that people can step into this sanctuary, that they can experience the new life of Jesus. If you're helping in student life and there's three areas, you can be in the nursery team, you can be in the kids team, you can be in the youth team. When you're serving in student life, you're not just watching kids. You are helping raise the next generation for God. And there's even another bonus that while you're helping raise the next generation from God. Parents can sit in here uninterrupted, enjoy church, not have to praise God with one eye open, one hand grabbing and the other hand praising, that we can just get lost in praise, that we don't have babies crying, we don't have distractions. Why? Because someone is serving our next generation. It's not just baking a cupcake. Do you know we have a cupcake club? We're a cool church. It's more than just baking a cupcake. It's given a gift to someone when they step out of the church to show them you matter to us. That someone thought of you to bake that cupcake and make a difference. You see, Bartimaeus, and now he's Bartimaeus, he's not blind anymore because he's experienced Jesus. He had such a whatever-it-takes mentality that he took off to follow Jesus. I've got to finish the message. He follows Jesus. So what do we see? Life. Now there's love. And then the last part is purpose. Say with me, purpose. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Let's read on the last part of that verse, Luke 18, 43. It says this, and then all the people, when they saw it. What did they see? They saw life come to him. They saw a change that took place. They saw now his commitment to Christ, to serve Christ, to do whatever. They witnessed everything taking place as a result of what they have seen in him. Notice the response for the people around. They gave praise to who? God. Jesus got the praise. See the progression through his new life, experiencing Jesus, coming to Jesus. Now he's living in love. He's serving other people. He's following Jesus. Now he is able to fulfill his purpose. How? By touching and reaching other people around him. He now sees the tests that God now can use for a testimony. He now sees how his examples of life can help bring hope and peace to other people. Because I don't know about you. If God can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. And now my life needs to be a life of purpose bringing hope to everyone around me. I want to read verse 43 again, and I'm going to read it this time from the NPT version. You're not going to be able to buy this one because this is the New Philip version. (laughs) Or the New Philip translation. The NPT, the New Philip translation. Are you ready? Verse 43 says this. And all our family, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, teammates, And community saw such a change in our lives through what Jesus did. How we acted differently. How now we talked differently. How we lived differently. That they said, what has happened to you? What church do you go to? I really believe as a result of your life and the love that God gives, fulfilling the purpose, that God is going to help you to be such hope and that people around you are going to take note because that's our vision, that's our purpose, that's who we are. It's really one thing, but it's resulting in three. 
Our vision is clear. It involves you. We need you. We need your help to touch this world one life at a time. As long as there's still one lost out there, we've got to be striving and doing everything within our reach, within our power to touch people, to impact them. Oh, yes, it starts here. It starts at life. It starts in the house, but it doesn't end here. We need to extend it beyond these walls. We need to be what God wants us to be. It's not just for us. Too many people think church is just for you. I hate to break it to you. You're saved. You're okay. It's bigger than just you. Church is not just for you. Church still has to be about other people. It's not just for you, but it's now time for you to give. Our time, our lives, and our future. It's time for you to commit to serve in this church. It's time for you to put your name to a piece of paper and say, you know what, Pastor? Whatever you need, however you need it, I want to function in my unction and I want to give my talents and gifts and abilities to the house of God because we really believe that we want to create a culture that's called EMI, that every member is involved. That there's a place for everyone to be a part, all serving all, not one serving everyone, but everyone serving each other because Jesus said that's what brings greatness. If you want to be great, serve each other. And this is why vision is so powerful, because when we rally together and say, how can we shoulder the load together? We can make a difference. If you haven't gone through our iConnect next steps, you need to sign up because that's the next step. You need to be a part of that. In that course, we're going to show you through questionnaires and find out the areas of ministry best suited to you and how you can help us progress and grow, how we can do life together. Again, I'm not manipulating you. I pray that you hear my heart today because I just really believe as a result of life, love and purpose is just the next progression. It's just the next step. The next step. Pick up a form today. Sign up at the back. There's a table at the back. Fill it out. Wait in a line. First service, we had a long line. Praise God. Because vision requires all of us in order for it to be the total success it needs to be. I'm going to say one more thing and then ask you to stand. And I have run over today and I apologize. Stop waiting for someone to do something that you can do. Stop waiting for someone to do something that God has called you to do. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.